Hey, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports with my co-host Kyle Airy, and we're breaking down what's happening in the esports industry. We're talking with great guests, influencers, and most importantly, we want to talk to you. So welcome to All In with Esports. All right, everybody, what's happening? Welcome. Good to see you again. Welcome back to another edition of All In With Esports. Lewis Johnson, Kyle Larry. Kyle, what's happening? How are you today? Uh, man, I'm doing awesome, Lewis. We got a really cool guest. Really excited to get to, get to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And I know we were chatting about it before, and we're going to really introduce somebody who has uh, really got a lot of great experience uh, technically and just a passion for life and sports television all mixed into one. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And Kyle, we have so many cool things happening on the uh, Esports Future Eye Podcast Network. Our show, we've got other shows, of course, the Power Players League, we've got merchandise, we've got all kinds of things happening. So we hope that Everybody keeps uh, connected with us as we continue to move forward in this exciting world of esports. So, you know, every now and then, Kyle, something happens and you have this moment where you're like, wait a minute, how did I miss that? Or this is a surprise information. And this is what happened to me. So I'm checking my Twitter account the other day and I look down and I see a friend of mine, a broadcast colleague who announces that he's taking this position as a director at EA Sports. And immediately I thought about our show, what we're doing here with uh, with uh, the podcast network or what have you. So I gave him a ring and we began to talk. And um, I'm going to tell you something, just a great dude, somebody I've known for a long time in our world, and I'm excited to have him here. Um, and I'm excited for this, too, because in this world right now, we've got so much uncertainty. We have sports that are trying to come back, sports that are starting. They're having to stop. There's just a lot of question marks for the athletes, for the programs, for, you know, sports in general. And for those of us who actually bring the sports to everybody at home, we're not quite sure about a lot of things. So it was great to see him get this uh, full-time position, I believe it is, uh, with EA Sports. And we'll talk about that. Um, you talk about somebody who's had a lot of experience and has a lot of wisdom in the business. This guy really has it. Um, I've seen him work up close. Uh, just a lot of positive energy, technical expertise, a lot of wisdom that he's going to bring to them. And hopefully we'll get to see some of that as we talk to him today. Um, you talk about experience. We're going back to 1987 as I begin this long introduction, which is absolutely worth it. Uh, producing, directing, technical directing, editing, and we'll explain what all those things really are so people really understand uh, the gift and the skill. Uh, and he's done it from everything from local TV all the way up to the biggest stages in sports. Uh, we've seen each other uh, working on the Pac-12 Network for many years. Uh, he's worked for the Tennis Channel, the Sacramento Kings, because that's where he lives in Sacramento, California. And then for NBC Sports, we cross paths a lot. Uh, he's been the technical director for two Super Bowls. I've worked one behind the scenes many years ago. The Super Bowl is an enormous event. It is unbelievable. Uh, eight seasons of Sunday night football. He's been in the TV truck. Uh, four NBA finals. Uh, I've worked a couple of those. The NBA on NBC way back in 2001, 2002, before it left to go to ABC. He's been involved with them. And then, of course, five Olympics, which is the greatest stage, I think. I'm a little bit biased, all right? Uh, it's been something. Five-time Emmy Award winner. So he has been um, respected and shown uh, the hardware for all the great work he's done. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about my friend, Jeff Butler, who is joining us now. Jeff, how are you, man? I'm great, Lewis. Uh, it's so good to see your face. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, and I'm, I'm I know. super excited to be here and uh, happy to meet you, Kyle. And uh, thanks, thanks for having me on the show. You got it, man. It, you, you said something there. Good to see each other's face. You know, this time of year, any time of year, we're so used to going out of our houses every week, right? To go and 
pull up to a, a, a stadium and you guys are pulling the truck out and expanding it and you're going in and you're getting everything set up technically. What are you missing right now with sports not happening like they usually do? Uh, I mean, you know, the, the whole life has been upended, right? It's uh, nothing's the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's positives too. A lot more time with my family. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the experience of uh, showing up at a stadium uh, sometimes before the sun rises, working with a team of people yeah. and, uh, you know, working toward a common goal and putting on a great broadcast, you know, is, it's a, it's a great experience. I love doing it. Um, yeah. you know, probably for, uh, some people it's like playing a team sport and winning the game, you know? And so I, I, I miss yeah, that, yeah. that kind of camaraderie and togetherness. Um, but you know, it's, in this COVID world, uh, you know, things, a lot of things have changed and, um, you know, a lot of things are not for the better, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about the gaming world and Kyle, maybe you can uh, chime in on this. I think there's an element of people who game, who are, who love instant gratification. You like to be able to have your equipment. You like to have a strategy, a plan, an attack and try and score points, do whatever you got to do to win the game. That's that instant gratification. We have that similar trait, I think, for those of us who work in TV. We like to go in and set up, execute, and then it's over. We shut it all down and leave. And there's that gratification um, that we feel. Do you think that's the case for you, um, Jeff, when you're doing your thing? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, everything I do is live. I, I hardly do any non-live programming ever. Um, yeah. I, I love the excitement. I love the, you know, the instant, you know, the, the game is going to start at seven o'clock ready or not. And I, I, I right. kind of thrive being under that pressure. Um, and there's a, yeah. there's a satisfaction, you know, that comes from doing, doing the job and doing it well. And, and even as much as we don't like uh, dealing with hurdles and obstacles along the way, it really feels good when you're able to overcome, you know, some setbacks to put on a good, uh, yeah. live broadcast, whether it's conventional sports or esports or anything else. Right. Exactly. Kyle, is that kind of one of the elements you think as a gamer where you just love that, that, that feeling of gratification right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think of all the, the war zone matches I've been playing the last couple months and start with 150 people, you get down to that final circle with about five to 10 people and the adrenaline that's pumping. That's kind of the moment that you live for. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to teach me some Warzone, all right? Oh, yeah. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jeff, let's get into your career a bit as we uh, make our way towards your life that may be really exploding more so into the esports world. But you've had a lot of experiences from local TV all the way up through the Olympics. But as you made your way, what was it about TV production that uh, that caught your interest? And why has that been your passion throughout your career? Yeah, it's uh yeah, I don't know. I, I really have. Uh, it's really all I've done, to be perfectly honest. I started in mm-hmm. uh, in television when I was 17 years old. Um, I did an internship in high school at a local TV station, and they hired me before the semester was over. And uh, I just, you know, I've always enjoyed it. I've gotten it. I've, you know, I've had some sort of an aptitude for this thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think if if it ever stopped being enjoyable for me, I would change careers, but I still, to this day, you know, 30 odd years in, I love what I do. And I love, uh, I love going to work every day, love new challenges, new events, you know, esports is pretty new for me. And, uh, so it's, it's great, you know, getting to try something new, learn new things. 
this business never stops changing, mm-hmm. never stops growing, never stops changing. Right. Um, I'm looking at your website uh, and going through some of the things that you've experienced. And when you talk about it being a passion, um, you don't just go to work and, and produce or direct or technical direct events. And we need to explain that in a second. But you also do a lot of things uh, away from the actual broadcasting on your own. Um, if people will go to your website, Jeff Butler, um, dot TV, they're going to see some very cool videos. And I saw the one video you did of you running once a day, every day for a year back in 2013. Is that right? Yeah, it actually, uh, yeah. So I, I did that video. That was a fun thing to do. Um, Oh, unbelievable. I, I knew in that year I was going to be traveling to a whole bunch of different places. Um, and you know, running in different cities and different countries is something that I was always doing. And I, I really did that because I wanted to share it with my family. Who's usually not on, mm. you know, on those trips with me. And so I, I had right. the idea late in 2012 of, uh, just running, carrying a GoPro in my hand when I run and just shooting a short clip. And, uh, you know, and I, I knew in 2013, I was going to be a lot of places. You and I were in Moscow together for track and field. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was in Scotland and France and I was in, uh, I was in London. I, you know, got to go to a, a lot of places and I tried to get, uh, scenes that, you know, exemplified the places as best I could. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in yeah. Paris, I shot a scene in front of the Arc de Triomphe, um, you know, yeah. in, uh, Moscow, I shot a scene in front of, uh, um, Gorky Park and one in front of, uh, what's the same Saint Saint Cathedral yeah, is what, right. right. I shot a scene yeah, there. Yeah. Cathedral, right. Yeah. Right so by Red Square. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, it was kind of, you know, it was a neat thing. It was a fun, it was one of those, you know, one of those runs was on a layover coming home from Europe at Newark airport, uh, because that was the only, I was, I was traveling for 24 hours. So I, uh, ran and then went and cleaned up in a rental car, uh, center bathroom and then got on my connecting flight. Uh, but it was a, you know, it was a cool goal to do. Uh, and it was, and it was fun. I was really happy with how it came out. Yeah. So one mile every day, 365 days straight, a video clip from all of that. Go to jeffbutler.tv and just scroll, go over to media, I think it is, and then scroll down to videos and you'll see that that is one of the coolest things I've seen. You shot it, you had the idea, you shot it, you ran, you edited that thing and left it up. The other fun one I saw, and my wife is from Paris, so I'm a little bit biased to that, was did you actually stick a GoPro camera on the side of a metro train, <laughs> yeah. Outside this, on the on the outside of a metro train, and then you like <laughs> let it go. And I mean, you did yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, I don't know. I, I for some reason I had this appetite for just getting neat shots. Um, you know, just sort of un unconventional and unexpected shots. And I had that idea, so I, I actually made a magnetic mount uh, for a GoPro. And then I was there, I was in France working, uh, uh, the French open. I was working Roland Garros for tennis channel. Yep. And, uh, I did not have permission to do that. Uh, I know you didn't, <laughs> I'm sure you did not, um, <laughs> you know, and obviously I had to, I put the thing on the train and then just went inside that car. And I didn't know, like, I, I think I went for six stations. Anyone could have just grabbed yeah. it, you know, <laughs> once the doors closed, anyone yeah. could have just grabbed it and walked off with it. Uh, or it could have flown off. I had no idea if it was going to stay or not. Uh, I just risked it. And it was, it was a neat shot, right? (laughs) 
Oh, it was, that was phenomenal. I love that. Loved it. I've already showed my family. That was just beautiful. And so I think today if we tried to do something like that, we'd probably be arrested or in trouble or what have you. Yeah, but um, right. it was it was a great shot by, back then. So let's get into the world of what you do. And and I know Kyle wants to ask you some questions just about how you you'll, how EA Sports really manages live events. But just so people understand, uh, as a producer, this person is responsible for the entire show, what the show is going to do, you set a format or what have you, the direction for the entire show, storylines, what have you. The technical director is the one who may be sitting on the far right, who has all the buttons in front of them, who actually changes the cameras, adds in the graphics or what have you, goes to different shots, goes to tape. And then the director is sitting in between them who's calling the cameras. You may have a wall of anywhere from what, five to, I don't know, 30 or 40 at the Super Bowl saying what goes where. Just describe that world and how this relationship works between director, technical director, and producer in, in the world that you operate in. Yeah, I, I think you explained it pretty well, uh, Lewis. But you know, if you want to think of it, a good analogy would be music. The, the producer writes the music. They, they decide what they, want to, what they want to hear. And then the, the technical director is the musician who's playing it. And then the, the director is the, the conductor just keeping everyone on the same page, you know, um, deciding who's, you know, who's going to do what part, you know, whose assignment the, uh, the near receiver is when there's a, when there's a two wide, you know? Um, so it's, it's really kind of that, you know, the producer dreams it up. The, the director is kind of the traffic cop telling everyone what to do and when, and then the TD has the hot seat. That's, that's the hardest job in a TV truck. Mm-hmm. Um, having done that, I feel really confident having done all three of those front bench jobs. I feel pretty confident saying yeah. that, uh, TDing is hard. You know, when it, it's yeah. very technical, the technology is always changing. Um, you know, like one thing I said recently is, uh, you know, as a technical director, you have to know things as a director, you just have to have an opinion. I, I like this shot better than the <laughs> other one, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I got you. And just for, for people to understand the front bench, when he says the front bench, you're talking about that first row of seats that's in front of the big monitor wall that has all the TV monitors. And I've been into TV trucks that have a small monitor wall with, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30. And I've been into those at at the Olympics or the Super Bowl or whatever, which may have multiple inputs, you know, hard cameras, handheld cameras, POV cameras, all these types of things. So now how do you take this technology and experience and uh, from live sports as we know it, and then go into the esports world, directing shows for EA Sports. What are you doing that's different, the same? How is how do those worlds mix? Yeah, so um, you know, in in some ways it's totally different, uh, and in some ways it's the same. And in in the differences, you know, I'm used to. I've spent you know the last twenty four years or twenty five years directing the sports, right? So it's my job to cover, you know, the, the action on the field. Um, in esports, that's not necessarily the case. In, in shooting games, it is somewhat because you have an observer mode who acts basically as a cameraman. Um, but I've, you know, I've not worked on those titles yet. I've worked on uh, Madden and FIFA. FIFA is my main assignment right now. Um, so, in Madden, I've, I've directed football before, but in Madden, the coverage of the, the game on the field is all done within the game. Then you get to the parts mm-hmm. that are the same. You know, my, I always have this, this idea as a director. If I were sitting in the stands, what would I want to see if I were at the game in person? So, you know, maybe, um, maybe the, at a baseball game, 
you want to see the guy who just stole second. But maybe you want to see the pitcher, the pitcher who accidentally walked him, who, you know, that put him on first in the first place. You know, maybe that's a more important uh, shot. Or maybe the guy who missed making it out that allowed the next batter to come up, right? And it, as a fan in the, in the stadium, you do that naturally. You want to see, like, hey, how does that guy feel right now? Is this guy celebrating? Is this guy hanging his head? Mm-hmm. So same thing, you know, when I'm, when I'm directing conventional sports, you know, you want to see the, the, the emotion. You want to see people's reactions, good or bad. It's all, it's all good television. Uh, and same thing in esports. You know, you, you want to see the guy who just made a, a great play in Madden. And you also want to see the guy who, uh, you know, turned it over on the 10-yard line and gave up an easy touchdown. You want to see that guy, you know, kicking himself a little bit. So, so that part's the same. You know, the emotion, the human element of it is the same between conventional sports and esports. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I was going to ask you. So, you're you're at EA now. You have a traditional sports background. So, how, how did that kind of happen? Like, did you kind of have you have you gamed? Is that kind of a hobby? Uh, did the opportunities kind of present itself? Like. Kind of walk us through kind of how you wound up from traditional sports into the gaming world. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so uh, it, I played video games a ton as a kid. Uh, now I, I love playing FIFA. I'm terrible at it, but I love the game. Uh, I really enjoy playing <laughs> and I, I wish I had any talent whatsoever at it. Um, the way I got in, you know, the there's the professional players and the coverage of the the competitive gaming is stepping up. You guys know this, you have a podcast about it. The, these things are getting so much more traction. Twitch is blowing up. Um, There's a lot more stuff to be put on and the expected quality is much higher. You know, it used Mm -hmm. to be when you watched esports, and maybe you're just seeing the console, maybe you're just seeing one player's camera and maybe that camera looks terrible. You know, if you're lucky, maybe you would see both players playing, but there's a much higher expectation now. You want to have knowledgeable commentators talking about what you're seeing. You want to have guys who play the game at a high level explaining what's happening in the game. You want to see both players. You want to see their reactions. So uh, Electronic Arts has been adding um, adding people, you know, to, to bring up the, the level of their competitive gaming broadcast. And a little bit of right place, right time. You know, I, I normally am super booked up with conventional sports and then COVID happened and they um, over to electronic arts, they decided to put an event on. Uh, I'm actually wearing the shirt right now, stay and play cup, which was professional footballers competing against each other in FIFA from their homes. And uh, my schedule was open because COVID had canceled all my events and it was, a technical challenge that had never been tackled before. And that is how do we have all of our talent in their homes? How do we have these players in their homes and see it all together? Because as you guys know, the big tournaments are normally, you know, the 64 best players are all flown to an arena. They're all playing each other head to head, but we couldn't do that. All those events had been canceled. So um, I had some, some knowledge and some aptitude at the the technical side. And so I was brought in to, to help get this event on the air. And uh, it was really hard. It was uh, 
So for now, I'm calling this cloud broadcasting, where you have no physical facilities. Everything's in the cloud. Um, cloud broadcasting is in its infancy right now, and it's not easy. And you you learn a hard lesson almost every time you go on the air. But um, you know, you you learn those lessons, you get better at it. The broadcasts look better and better. You're able to add more things and. Uh, so after this event ended, uh, they, they set up another event and I was hired to do that event. And then, uh, they eventually said, Hey, how would you like to make this official instead of us pairing you, uh, as a daily hire for these, for these events, let's just have you come on staff and, and be our guy to direct these shows and guide the, the technical architecture for cloud broadcasting. Wow. Cloud broadcasting. That's a new terminology. Kyle, I'm assuming you've never heard. I've never heard it. That's that's pretty cool. I'm wondering, Jeff, if you can kind of quickly take us inside. What was so difficult, technically challenging about having all these pro football players in different locations and making that, I guess, some sort of a stream that was manageable to be able to put into the shows? What 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 could people understand about how hard that was and how did you make it work? Yeah. So um, as you know, Lewis, when we normally do things, you know, we're all in the same place and there's right. sometimes miles of cable that are run and then everything's connected to a TV truck and that TV truck has all the hardware in it and everything has, you, you, there's a piece of hardware for every thing that you need done. Um, and that's what we're missing. We're missing the truck part of it or the studio. We're missing, you know, the hardware infrastructure that makes the whole thing work. And, um, you know, you can, you can run your machine if you, if you go to a platform that's based on a computer uh, like vMix or OBS or something like that, that's great. But then how do you get the signals to it? If the machine, if the machine's in your office or if it's in running in the cloud somewhere, you can't just run a cable from Lewis's mic and plug it in. So you've got to get that, that signal somehow over the internet. And so, um, and you know, we're, you know, we have talent, we have people who are announcers and we have a lot of control over what they have, but sometimes we don't know who the players are going to be until late because they all have to qualify. And, you know, in the case of the stay and play cup, we were dealing with uh, professional footballers. We had Benicius jr. And Trent Alexander Arnold and, you know, players from all the big clubs in Europe coming on and playing. And so it wasn't like we could, run to Europe and set up cameras and microphones and stuff in their house. So we, we had to figure out how to get it done with what exists. And so it's, uh, I think I said this before, it's not easy. Everything's hard, you know, in a, in a TV yeah. truck, yeah. Hey, let's take Lewis's mic. Let's plug it into the side of the truck and let's bring the fader up. Now we hear Lewis and it's uh, it might take you half a day to do that in the cloud. Better be glad I'm not sitting in the truck because it would take me all day just to figure out how to bring my mic up. I'm glad I'm glad you guys know how to do that. That that's pretty cool. Um, we watched uh, as we watch traditional sports on TV, or when we do, you sort of see this sort of age range that seems to make sense depending on what the sport is or where it is. If it's Junior Olympics or maybe if it's some other sport that you know you see an age range that makes sense. What about the age ranges that you're seeing, especially kids turning pro early? Uh, in esports, and then how are you guys trying to cover those stories uh, as we as you present a competition? Yeah, that's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I love about esports. Um, you know, the the players who compete in it, um, 
it, it's great. It's great seeing these, you know, mostly young people um, who are able to compete at the highest level. Um, and, mm-hmm. and one thing, one thing that I really dig, you know, I, I've run a lot and I've worked really hard at running to get faster, but I'm five, six. I was never going to be anything other than, you know, maybe third in my age group at the local 5k. I don't, you know, Lewis, I know you worked hard during your career, but you know, you also uh, were gifted uh, the right hardware to be, to be a good athlete. And I wasn't, but I could have, if I had the, you know, if I had the, the time and the will and the, and the work ethic to work hard at gaming, I could have gotten to a high level. Right. So, so it's the accessibility um, is great. You know, if you, if you have a console and you have the time and, and the aptitude and the love for it, um, you know, Kyle, I mean, you can, you can speak to this. I think, you know, anyone who really, really has that dream, um, you know, can, can get to that high level. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there's so many more, ways to, you know, make that passion that you have into, you know, even not just turning pro, but even being like a streamer and, you know, sharing your love and passion with your, you know, viewers and subscribers. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, you know, if only (laughs) this is around when I was growing up, but you know, Hey, it's, it's really awesome to be a part of it now than, you know, than never being a part of it. But yeah, it is really cool nowadays. All the cool opportunities that, kids have, you know, from gaming and everything. Yeah. And, and a lot of these guys, you know, not even in the the competitive scene that I'm covering, but you know, there are guys who, who are just streaming, they're streaming gameplay. They don't really compete in tournaments, but they've got a following because of, because they're good or because people like their personality. And, you know, with, with platforms like Twitch, they're able to monetize their popularity. And I love it. I love that people can be a creator um, just based on, on them. You know, they don't need anything special other than themselves. I love that. That's pretty cool. Um, share with, with us what you can about uh, EA Sports approach to uh, live events, streaming events, and how many events are we talking about weekly, monthly, you know, annually, what's their sort of, you know, attack to this, uh, to this industry, you know, within, within respecting, you know, the position that you have. Yeah. So, uh, to be honest, I, I can't speak to very much of it because, uh, not because I'm not allowed to, but because I don't know yet. I've been, I've been so buried in our FIFA property, uh, and everything's a mess. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we had a, a global series that, you know, had events all over the world and those all got canceled in March. And so, we're, we're right in the middle right now of our summer cup, which was not a planned competition. Um, and that's, this is the end of our competitive FIFA season. Um, and I'm, I've been so busy getting these shows on the air that, you know, I know at some point I'm going to be, uh, back working with the Madden folks and, and maybe over at apex. I don't even know what they're doing. I, I have just been underwater trying to get these, uh, these FIFA shows on the air and looking as good as possible. Um, so wow. I, I really don't know, you know, I know FIFA right now we're, we're doing shows, uh, region by region around the globe. Uh, we're, we're in North America coming up soon and, uh, you know, but it's all cloud, it's all cloud-based. So when we did Europe, we all just did it from our homes and, uh, most of us were in California 
that's one of the wow. cool things about the cloud, you know, not having to hop on yeah. planes. <clears throat> so you actually would not go to a studio to produce those. You could actually do your directing job from home. Yeah. So, uh, that's we, crazy. I so, didn't realize that. Yeah. So we have in, uh, in Redwood city, uh, at EA's headquarters, we have a great production facility there, but we're not allowed to use it right now for the health and safety okay. of the employees. Uh, most people are not allowed into the building. And so we've been forced to figure out ways to do it. And, and that means that I'm, I'm sitting at my desk over there directing and my, my technical director is at his home in Alameda. And we've got a, a graphics guy in Indiana. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. We're all sitting and, you know, it's funny. It's a whole new world because, you know, every once in a while you hear dogs barking on, on headsets yeah. you hear a baby crying. <laughs> um, my, yeah. my technical director is guy, Jeff Backerman, who's awesome. His, uh, every once in a while his, his baby comes into the room he's using his daughter's iPad to control the, the switcher. It's, <laughs> it's super crazy. I'm actually building right now out in the side yard, I'm building a, a studio in a shed uh, so that I can have, you know, more of a, uh, an authentic place, you know, and quiet and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be out of my family's way and, and they'll be out of mine because, you know, my daughter's going back, yeah. my wife's working from home. She works for the school district. My daughter's going back to school. My stepson's going back to school. We're all going to be home, you know, doing schoolwork and working. So we all need our own little place. Yeah. Another, another chance to have make a fun toy to have that uh, yeah. studio in the back. Um, you, you're making me think about something else here too, because our world is changing so much on so many levels. Um, what's the danger, or the you know the chance, or we I, we could say the danger that our lives as we as we've known them, uh, traveling around the world to do all these events, you know, and you know business class seats and miles based on, you know, your experience and time in the industry or with an airline hotels, you know, going to do all these great live events. What's the chance of the danger that we might, that might stuff might not happen anymore. It may be pulled back drastically because the industry is having to prove to itself that you can still bring content to air, uh, but through a remote uh, uh, op operation. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Lewis, if you, if you think back, you know, there's already been, been a trend over the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, remote production, uh, what they call in the industry a Remy. Uh, ESPN's doing lots more Remy's over at Pac-12 Network. We do a lot of them. Yep. Um, you know, yep. all all the broadcasters have been playing with it, and and a couple of the facilities providers have have built facilities specifically to do that. Um, you know, and they do it because it saves money. They don't do it, you know, for any other reason, really. It's, it's to save on travel right. costs and, and save on the equipment costs. Um, so I think, you know, we were trending toward um, more remote production and maybe even cloud production. But, you know, maybe some broadcasters were holding off on taking that uncomfortable step. And then COVID came along mm -hmm. and just pushed them off the cliff. And, and I think, you know, this is just me speculating, but I, I think the genie's not going back in the bottle, you know, on, on oh. the other side of this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I oh, know. Man. I, oh man. You know, I, I can remember hearing some of the uh, older guys that I worked with in the past talking about their life in, in this business with private jets yeah. and limos and everything. And, and then that era ended as I came in. And now we're about to have maybe a new era end and then 
something, you know, old era end and something else happened. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think the wow. reality is that, you know, this COVID thing has hurt a lot of people. It, you know, there's the, the teams, the broadcasters, their sponsors have all lost a lot of money. And so when things come back, I think you're going to see uh, maybe, you know, scaled down broadcasts. Some of the, some of the broadcasts might go away. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that some of the smaller leagues can just hold on, you know, some of the, the second tier right. leagues, I hope they, they can just survive this and still exist right. on the other side. So I, right. I think, you know, it's, um, I think the, the remote broadcasting thing is, is, you know, I said, uh, in 2014, when I started at PAC 12 network, I looked around at the, at our remote broadcasting facilities that are great that we have in San Francisco. Yeah. I did my first show. I've seen those. They are beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I did my first show there and it was, it was better and easier than the conventional way of doing shows. And I said, man, mm-hmm. in five years, they're all going to be done like this. And I wasn't right. Mm-hmm. It's been six years now, but I think, uh, I think that whole thing is picking them up, picking up momentum. So yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that you and I have had an opportunity to go to uh, Beijing and Athens yeah. and and Moscow and London all on uh, someone else's dime. Yeah. I'm glad, Lewis, that you and I have had the opportunity to go to all these places, you know, Beijing, London, Moscow, Athens, you know, on someone else's dime. I, I just, I think, I think it's not going to be as common as it was before when mm-hmm. we can get to the other side of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say too, Jeff, um, I think we both share the same spirit in that we love what we do. We love the interaction with our colleagues in person. We love the interaction with the athletes and telling those stories. And of course, the live broadcast itself being right there in person. So that's really the first reason why we do it. All the other stuff are the perks that are fun and everything. We don't, I don't think neither one of us do what we do because of the perks. You'd be, we'd be screwed up if we did that, right? You do it because you love what you do. The other stuff has come along with it. But like you said, it may change. Um, I've seen, I, I think a lot of people would be shocked to know that over the last, I think, two Olympics, probably half, if not more than half of the events were not called by announcers or broadcast crews who were actually at the location. Half the people were back at Stanford, Connecticut in these cubicles or boxes, you know, calling events uh, through monitors. Uh, and then the, the major sports, you know, swimming, track, swimming, uh, basketball, gymnastics, track and field. Of course, we were all there with a full complement of people. So you're right. The industry is definitely changing. And that leads me back to esports, Jeff, because this this sport is growing exponentially on a global basis. Um, and, and what's your sense of, of how COVID-19 and how it's affected the world has allowed the sport to grow as people can now, again, wherever they are, pick up their um, favorite game and, and their equipment and game with themselves or somebody else. Yeah. I, I think Lewis, that's, that's one of the great things going on with esports right now is how much it's growing. And, you know, obviously my, my eggs are in the electronic arts basket, but you know, there's a lot of people putting esports on TV right now and they're innovating. And um, you know, it's, if you just, if you just go to Twitch it's amazing how much stuff you can watch at any given time. And, and I think, you know, again, this is one of those things, the accessibility both to the competitors and to people who are interested in the sport. You know, I had, I had someone yesterday ask me, uh, ask me that question, you know, the, the sort of middle-aged observer question, like why would someone want to watch someone else play a video game? And, 
uh, I had, a, I think, a pretty good answer <laughs> for that because, you know, I, I probably would have asked that same question again at some point, you know, five years ago or something. Um, but I, I, I likened it to, you know, if you play golf, then you probably love watching uh, the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour and watching these players who play the game better than you ever would be able to. It's just a marvel. And for for me, you know, I like running. I love watching, you know, someone like Mo Farah compete, you know. Uh, yeah. To me, that is, you know, it's, it's super enjoyable. Even though I could never do anything like he does, it's just amazing watching someone uh, perform that, at that high level. And, and I think, you know, our, the gamers have that same experience, you know, when you're, for me, when I watch people play FIFA, I'm so bad at it. It's just, it's mind boggling to me, but you know, I can imagine, you know, if it's a sport you play pretty well, watching these guys play it at an even higher level, how fast they, how, how far ahead they're thinking, how fast they adjust to what their competitors are doing you know, it's, it's a marvel and it's, you know, it's kind of the same experience as, as watching, you know, um, a Bubba Watson play or, you know, or a Rafa Nadal, you know, like, yeah, I go play tennis, but yeah, man, watching this guy and how he moves and, and how far he can reach and how he slides in the clay, you know, it's, it's super interesting. Wow. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I was going to ask you now I'm with you too, as far as like, yeah, watching streamers on a game that you love and just seeing someone that's so good and watching them play and just making it look easy um, with games getting more and more complex, you know, you know, seeing more and more of that for sure. And, and just appreciating it as well. So I was going to ask you, like you've, you've been in the sports world for, you know, for a while now, and I don't know how much interaction you had with the athletes themselves, but I'm just kind of curious, like just on a, you know, pop culture level, like with gaming, like in the athletes, have you seen that relationship change throughout the years where maybe the last five, 10 years, gaming just became more and more popular among the athletes? Like what, walk us through that. What, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the popularity of esports, um, you know, everything's going crazy. It's, uh, you know, I did, I'm sure there's some metric that could show this, but the, the amount of people participating and watching uh, esports has just grown at an, at an astronomical level. And so you're seeing, you know, at one of the events I did for Electronic Arts, we, we, had, a, we had Mo Farah, we had Usain Bolt, we had all, you know, these professional athletes playing pretty well, actually, uh, playing our, our game. And, you know, and if you look at some of the teams, you know, almost every uh, major sports team in the world now has an esports team here in Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings have a, an esports team, the Kings guard, um, you know, man city has an esports team. New York Red Bull has an esports team and you can tell um, that they really care about these things. You know, when, when we reach out to um, one of these teams, you know, trying to get a player on for an interview or something, it's like trying to get to a, a Tom Brady. You know, they, okay, what questions, you know, what, what are you going to talk about? Uh, let, let us put you in touch with, touch with his manager and we'll, you know, we'll sort this out, you know, because they care. This is a big thing to them now. And, uh, and especially I've noticed it in the, the clubs in Europe, they take it all very seriously. Um, and, you know, and the, the competitors, you know, for the most part, esports competitors are, uh, 
you know, first of all, most of them are so young that they're, you know, they're just eager and uh, they're the kind of positive people <laughs> that I like. Uh, I like being around and I like interacting with. Um, but, it, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, some of the names, you know, like a guy like Ninja, he is he is a household name, you know, just from esports. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And um, yeah, I was just, we were talking about that earlier about how young some of these players could be, but they're now semi-pro and pro. And we've talked to a couple here on our show as well. And, and to see how they move so quickly uh, up into the world of esports is pretty cool. A um, couple more things. Um, what we're really interested in here in MAP Esports is this network continues to grow and we're excited about everything happening here is how we're going to connect to the communities, especially the at-risk kids. So um what are your thoughts about how esports can be a way to inspire, encourage, show someone a way um, maybe into a world of gaming or maybe the business side or the creative side of gaming versus just playing the game? How can it touch lives of people who don't have, who don't know about that yet? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, so there's a whole world. Right. There's, uh, you know, when I when I walk onto the Electronic Arts campus in Redwood City, it's big. There's, you know, there's a lot of us working in, in video games and um, you know, a lot of the people I work with, they're, they're avid gamers and they got into working for electronic arts because that was their passion. And there's definitely an avenue for that. And, you know, we just in the, the short time I've been at electronic arts, you know, we employ people, you know, as uh, uh, subject experts, you know, Hey, we just need someone to, you know, to, to give us information, you know, to, to tell us, you know, uh, what does this player do differently from this player? And, uh, you know, what's likely to happen in, in this matchup and, uh, what does it mean that this guy moved from this team to this other team? You know, what, what drove that subject matter experts are in, in high demand and, you know, and, and two, I think, you know, that like we touched on earlier, that dream of, being a, uh, a professional, uh, esports competitor is available to just about everyone. You know, if you've, if you've mm. got a console and the passion, you know, at some level you, you can compete, you know, and I'm not going to keep selling the the brand that I work for, but you know, there are weekend competitions across video games and, and there's prize money and, um, you know, it's, it's a thing you can do. And if you, if you do it enough to get good at it, and doing it that much doesn't burn you out on it, then, you know, you, you might have a future doing that. That's interesting. And Kyle, uh, why don't you give uh, Jeff a, a quick overview of what we're doing with the power players league before we thank him for hanging out with us here today. Cause we're excited about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and Jeff, yeah, we we're really happy to have you on. It's uh, awesome to hear from somebody from EA. I mean, you know, most people know this. I mean, EA, they make Madden to Star Wars games. I mean, EA just has such a massive footprint in the gaming industry. And, you know, with the Power Players League, some of that, you know, we're, we're beginning to do is just uh, having the chance for a lot of these at-risk students to have that chance that we talked about. You know, if they have that passion and, and they're wanting to have a place to display that, that's kind of what we're offering with our, with our Power Players League. And we're going to be offering some you know, different games this fall um, that we're excited about. So, um, yeah, you know, for people listening, PPL.gg. But, yeah, we're definitely excited to have you on for sure, Jeff. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, man, it That's is, awesome. uh, it's amazing what can come. It's amazing what can come from a tweet. You know, I'm glad I was checking Twitter that day and I saw your comment about, uh, about the new position. Um, I wish you the best, my friend. And I hope that as you continue to move forward with EA sports and the gaming industry, that somehow you stay connected to the live side of things. And that somehow we get a couple of more big events, you know, with uh, Tokyo praying that it doesn't get canceled. Maybe we see each other there, maybe the Olympic trials before that, but either way um, you've had a tremendous career and it's great to hear and see the passion for what you're doing. And I have so much respect for, for, for the way you've carried yourself and what you do, man. So it's a pleasure to have you on and just wish you the best of luck and keep in touch because we want to have you back and know what's happening within EA and within the gaming world. And we can talk more about different things. That sound cool. Sounds great. I, uh, I really appreciate you guys having, guys having me on today. And uh, it was great talking to you. Nice to meet you, Kyle. And of course, yeah. Lewis, we go back a long way. Always great to see you. Oh, and yeah. uh, please, oh, yeah, yeah I, I would love to come back and, and update you when I know, some, when I know a little more stuff and when, yeah. when the dust settles from, from this pandemic that right. we're in now. And on the next uh, next time we talk, hopefully it'll be from your new uh, super yeah. shed back there where you got your new setup. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, look, it's been another great episode, guys. We hope you've enjoyed uh, talking to Jeff Butler, listening to all his wisdom and experience, talking about what he's going to be doing in the uh, world of esports e- uh, e- with EA Sports. Wish him the best of luck, Kyle. Great to catch up, man. We'll talk again soon on another episode. Let's do it. All right. Until then, everybody. All in with esports. Lewis Johnson, for the rest of the team, see you next time. Thanks for listening to All In with Esports. Please remember to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel, and we would love to hear from you about this or other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network.